welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Box Seat Podcast. I'm Josh Eddy. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Monday, January 13th, and today we'll be discussing the Big 12's big matchups, all the upsets this past week, and we'll also be joined by D. Caminini, a new sports writer for the Daily here at the University of Washington. Before we get into it, we're going to try and change the format here a little bit. We're actually going to start with rapid fire and go through every big game that happened this last week to give you guys an idea of the college basketball landscape the past three days or so. Yeah, and right after this rapid fire, we're going to get to some of the biggest games that happened this past week, talk a little bit about the Washington Huskies, and also be previewing some of the bigger matchups that we have coming up this week. All right, let's get into the rapid fire. All right, let's do it. In maybe the biggest game of the year so far, Scott Drew and his Baylor Bears head into Fog Allen and win for the first time in 18 games. Jared Butler dropped a game-high 22 points while delivering dagger after dagger. Yeah, and somehow this Baylor team is not ranked number one. They're currently ranked at number two behind Gonzaga, but Baylor can shoot the lights out, and they're definitely deserving of the top spot in the AP poll. Maryland continues to underperform outside of College Park. After taking down Ohio State earlier last week, they fall by 19 points at Iowa. And I've remained pretty neutral about Maryland all season for this reason. They can look really good at times and also really bad at others. Uh, They're a tough team to trust at this point in the year. Butler continues its dominance in the Big East by thwarting the Friars in Providence by a score of 70-58. to Lavelle Jordan has had his best squad yet, and their eyes are set on their first Big East title ever. And don't look now, but Butler, they're currently ranked number six in the country. Lavelle Jordan's a front runner for Coach of the Year, and Kamar Baldwin might be the best player that nobody has ever really heard of. Auburn and San Diego State continue their runs for perfection with wins over Georgia and Boise State. Yeah, great starts for both teams, but they both will lose at some point in the regular season. As conference play begins, I would and have already put money on it. Ohio State's troubles continue in Assembly Hall as the Buckeyes put up their worst scoring game of the entire season. Chris Holtman has more questions than answers when he looks at the Big Ten standings to see his team in dead last. Yeah, and the Buckeyes have plenty of talent. They really just need to start playing better basketball at the end of the day. They really need their freshman Dwayne Washington to step up and help support the Wesson brothers. Dayton continues to roll in the A-10 in dominating fashion with its 14th win of the season. Obi Toppin dropped 16 points before leaving the game with an ankle injury. Sharpie Dayton down for a beatdown of the Atlantic 10 Conference this year and a stress-free tournament berth. West Virginia put on the clamps in Morgantown as they held Texas Tech to just 30% shooting on the game, but it was Miles McBride that stole the show with 22 points off the bench. This freshman is averaging 15 points over his past six games. And anybody can win on any given day in the Big 12. It will be interesting to see how the standings play out with Baylor, West Virginia, and Kansas all contending. Don't look now, but TCU is also sitting at the top of the conference at 3-0. Illinois is quietly second in the Big 10 with its past three games resulting in wins over Purdue, Wisconsin, and Rutgers basketball. A team lots of people were high on at the start of the season in Illinois. They just got off to a slow start. But in college basketball, it's not really how you start, it's how you finish, and the Illini have a lot of momentum right now. After shooting into the rankings for the first time in a quarter century, Penn State drops back-to-back games. Only four Nittany Lions can make their way into the scoring columns during the 58-49 loss to Wisconsin. And it's just a tough deal to secure wins in the Big Ten. Penn State, they're just going to have to protect home court if they want to make the tournament this season. 
in a matchup of the two most exciting guards in the nation. It was Miles Powell that took round one in South Orange with 23 points and seven rebounds. Marcus Howard scored nearly half of his team's points, but the rest of the Golden Eagles looked lost in the Pirate defense. Miles Powell just has better teammates than Marcus Howard, and Seton Hall is a better team at this point than Marquette. The drought is finally over. For the first time in 60 games, the Clemson Tigers have won in Chapel Hill. The biggest sporting event of the weekend for the Tigers ends with a locker room celebration for Brad Brunel. This one hits home for me. Roy Williams, emotional in the post-game press conference, falling on the sword and taking the blame for his team. This Carolina squad will be NIT bound unless the chosen one, Cole Anthony, can bring balance back to the force. Mississippi State had already started their celebration before Skylar Mays went the length of the court and said, fuck your feelings to hit a buzzer beater for the LSU Tigers. And Will Wade will continue to be the most hated coach in the SEC, even more so now as LSU has started to become nationally relevant. Luckily for the Cal Golden Bears, this game wasn't played on Sunday because the bank was open for Matt Bradley as he sends the Huskies to an 0-2 road trip, and Mike Hopkins can't wait to get back to Seattle. This Husky team is 110th in the country in offensive efficiency, and with all their talent, you would expect them to be a high-powered scoring team, not one that puts up 58 points against Cal. Their doctor was operating last night in Corvallis with 20 points for Trace Tinkle, and Oregon State hands Arizona its second straight loss. And Oregon State, another possible tourney team from the Pac-12, the Oregon schools are much improved this season and will be a tough road trip for teams to make in the conference. Alright, now we're going to get into a little more nitty gritty, a little more in-depth analysis of some of the bigger games. Obviously the biggest game of this weekend was number 4 Baylor going into number 3 Kansas. And surprisingly enough, Baylor goes into this game and comes out on top by a score of 67-55. to And this Baylor Bears team, they're currently ranked at number 2 like we mentioned earlier, but most of the college basketball experts think that they're deserving of the number 1 spot. They've got great guard play, Jared Butler very clutch player down the stretch for that team um, and really well coached by Scott Drew. Yeah, um, you said great college basketball minds think that they are maybe the should be the number one team. I am right there with them. I, I actually kind of was a little upset over Gonzaga staying at number one over Baylor. I think it's no question who's been the better team all season and Baylor just has better wins all around. And I actually went through so they essentially have the same record. I think Gonzaga's at 14-1, and Baylor's at 13-1, and doesn't really matter. But I went through all their five best wins. So Baylor's best win was this past weekend at Kansas. Gonzaga's best win was against Oregon on neutral court. Advantage goes to Baylor. Kansas was the number three team in the nation and is one of the best teams in the nation. Oregon is a very good team, but it's a neutral court. Baylor went into Fog Island and won. Second best win, Baylor at home against Butler. This is the only time Butler's lost all season. Gonzaga at Arizona. Arizona's a good team. I could hear the case of that Gonzaga game since it was at McHale, which is a tough place to play. That Maybe that's a better win, but I think that's kind of a toss-up. I would still kind of lean towards Baylor on that one. Yeah, and I think the reasoning behind it, just playing devil's advocate a little bit, maybe from the committee's perspective, is just that Gonzaga was ranked higher than Baylor before this, and because Gonzaga didn't actually lose this week, they still kind of just take the top spot more by default. It does take a lot for a team to jump, to leapfrog another team in the rankings, especially when you're talking about the difference between number one and number two. So I am kind of worried about that sentiment being at, at play in the in the AP polls because I don't think Gonzaga will lose another game very soon. So if Baylor keeps doing their thing, 
I'm hoping that they can possibly leapfrog Gonzaga at number one, but if Gonzaga doesn't do anything to warrant a drop in the polls, then they might just be at number one all season. Yeah, but I mean, what they already had, this is the best option, best chance to move up the rankings was at Kansas, the number one team in the Big 12, and they went into their home court and won, and it's like, what more do you really want from Baylor? They haven't lost since that Washington game, which, again, as we move into the season, seems weirder and weirder that Washington pulled that one out. But Baylor has a really, really good team, and like I said, their their top five wins are much better than Gonzaga's top five wins. Pretty much all of them from top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, they have a much better resume. Yeah, I definitely think they do deserve that top spot. I'm hoping they get it. Maybe Gonzaga will lose. A, they used to usually lose like one or two conference games. Maybe a St. Mary's team that can beat them. You know, something like yeah. that in conference. We'll yeah. see. Maybe Santa Clara. Santa Clara. <laughs> BYU. One of those teams, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, More likely BYU than Santa Clara. Yeah, Gonzaga's probably already a lock for a number one seed. We'll see if they actually get the number one overall. Because yeah. we'll, we'll see. I think Baylor will has a much obviously a much better chance of stumbling than a team like Gonzaga because yeah. the competition level is much higher. And there is a lot of, lot of time left in conference play to, still. There's only like three, four games played so far. Yeah. All right, so just diving a little bit into this game, I was kind of giving – Scott drew a little flack after the last game, or and then on the last show, stuff like that. I don't know. I'll, I'll eat some crow on this one because that was a pretty masterful game he put together against Bill Self, one of the premier coaches in the nation. And this this Baylor team, I'm totally sold on. They their starting lineup seems like everyone can guard, everyone can score, all, all of them move really well without the ball, and all of them find each other and can play make it. It just seems like a really good college basketball team where. Everyone contributes, everyone can do everything, and, and they just beat teams because they're better than them from top to bottom. Yeah, and Scott Drew, one thing on him, this was actually his first win in Allen Fieldhouse, yeah. and it was the program's first ever win over a top-five team on the road, uh, which is pretty yeah. noteworthy for that. And they're still on number one. <laughs> nah, no, nah, but... So, yeah, Baylor... Rankings don't mean anything at the end of the day. It's just it's, a number yeah. that goes up next to their name. True, but it also helps with recruiting. Uh, you're trying to get recruits yeah. and say, hey, we're the number one team in the nation. Sounds better than saying we're the number two team in the nation. Grand, I don't think it's... Yeah, I agree with you. It's not the biggest thing in the world, but mm-hmm. it does mean something. And, and I guess for Baylor, they haven't really been in the top of the rankings in a while, so I think that this means much more for them than it does Gonzaga because they're always hovering around that top five range. Yeah, exactly. Gonzaga's a blue blood now in the nation. Yeah, so. they are. But yeah, so right now Baylor's I think they have the best resume. They're riding a 12-game win streak, kind of getting into the heart of Big 12 play now. And like you said, the Big 12, they've already beat two of the best teams in Texas Tech and Kansas, and both of them on the road. So the rest of their Big 12 conference slate seems pretty doable. And I think the Big 12, since it's kind of a smaller conference, everyone plays everyone twice. You get a home and away. So Kansas will go into Waco later in the year. They still have to go into Morgantown and beat a very good West Virginia team. So we'll see. They could definitely stumble along the way. But... Right now, they're playing like the best team in the nation. I think that win in Allen Fieldhouse was the best one we've seen this this year. Yep, I agree with that. I definitely want to shout out Jared Butler. He was yeah. nails in that game. He just kept coming up with big shots down the stretch. And just when he thought Kansas was kind of going to start getting into it, he just kept them away and said, we're going to stay up by 10, 12 points, and you're you're just not going to get back and we're not going to give you a chance to get the crowd back into this, mm-hmm. and we're going we're gonna to win this game. And do you think this game was more a testament to how good Baylor is, or do you think part of it was also Kansas struggling a little bit more than we expected? I think 
I give Baylor more credit because because uh, Devon Dotson was actually hurt for a good chunk of this game. He missed after it was like thirty seconds after the the second half started. He went out with an uh, I think it was like an ankle injury or something like that. He actually came back towards like the I think seven minute mark. So that big chunk right there, although it wasn't like Baylor really pulled away, there was a chance that Kansas could have brought it a little bit closer. And you know, Baylor was in control most of that game and. There are some questions with Kansas Stills first or three point shooting, mm-hmm. but when you have a guy like Dotson that's out and he's probably your best three point shooter or at least your best off the dribble, then that, that that's a big deal. I, I think we're gonna get another very competitive game when they go to Baylor and play. Yeah, and we'll see if they can come out on top. Because if they do, then they're right there with Baylor. Yeah, and I do think at this point in the season, when you're talking about the class of the Big Twelve, I think it is Baylor, especially going into Kansas and winning yeah. that game. I think that puts them head and heels above anybody else in that conference right now. Also, another guy I like on Baylor is Freddie Gillespie. He's kind of like a center front court guy alongside Mark Vidal, but he was actually a walk-on. He was from, uh, this has been mentioned on a bunch of ESPN broadcasts, but he came from Carleton College, which is super small, and then basically just kind of bet on himself and went to Baylor and walked on. And Now he starts and is a really damn good player for this team, and yeah, and Mark Vidal also in their guys kind of engine and this team, yeah, this team can make a Final Four run and they haven't been to the Final Four since 1950. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So this is this is definitely a good squad and we'll see if they can kind of keep it going throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. This, this team is kind of a team of destiny right now and it means so much for them to be in the top two right now. M- way more than any of these typical Blue Bloods that are there every year. So I think... Scott Drew just really needs to capitalize on the success that they're having this year, and they really need to make a deep run for the fan base, for the players, for recruiting. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So getting into the other game in the Big 12, where we actually had the uh, two next best teams in the Big 12, the three and four spot, at least by the AP rankings, in number 17, West Virginia, number two, Texas Tech. This game was at Morgantown, and West Virginia hold Pat at home, and they won 66 to 54. So you've been kind of talking a lot about Big 12 not yeah. being very good. And I, I'm going to – yeah, we'll see. The bottom's probably not very good. But these four top teams, I put them up against any top four in any conference. I think mm-hmm. them in the Big Ten are right there as far as, like, your four top teams. And I think all four of those teams can make the Sweet 16 this year. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I still have a tough time because these teams like Texas Tech and West Virginia – they didn't really have a extremely difficult non-conference schedule and now that they're playing each other in conference wins you know they look differently because they are just kind of beating up on each other um, i would have liked to see these teams challenge themselves a little bit more with the non-conference scheduling but i do agree that texas tech west virginia baylor and kansas those are the class of the conference and all those teams will be tournament teams that can make a deep run texas tech in this game didn't have one of their leading scorers and their one of their freshmen, Shannon. But West Virginia just they seem like they're back and after a down year with Bob Huggins, he's right back in it. And I don't know if you remember last year in the Big Twelve tournament, they were one of the last seeds. They were either eight, nine or ten in the big Big Twelve and they actually went through and almost won that tournament. They were really rolling, got a couple nice wins and so he he's kinda it seemed like they were kinda peaking going into the off season. They picked her up right where they left off mm-hmm. and they're one of the best defensive teams again, like we've seen yeah. with Bob Huggins' team. And like I said, I said this last time, was it college basketball is just more fun when West Virginia's rolling because they're yeah. they're one like they're not necessarily a blue blood, 
But there's one of those teams that's always kind of there, and they're a new, different kind of style where they play mm-hmm. really hard defense. They're fun to watch, too. Huggins yeah. is one of the most underrated coaches, I think, in the in the league. And when West Virginia is playing really good defensively, they do their full-court press and really yeah. get teams to struggle. And I think that's fun to watch as a as a casual fan. Yeah, exactly. Their, their press is not as much as they've had in the past because they don't have a guy like Trevon Carter who – remember was kind of a magician of the the full court press yeah senior guard that just kind of led that team yeah I'm almost more impressed with their half court defense this year because they're really big and physical and very very long wingspans and these guys they get their hands in the passing lanes and they kind of can run with it also and their their front court of Big Sheeb, Oscar Chishibwe and Derek Culver are maybe the best front court pairing in the whole nation I don't know we'll see but those two guys are both very solid very big physical bruisers that can if you don't have size you're gonna get beat up down low and is that culver kid related to the i don't think he is but i'm not totally sure the texas tech kid yeah I don't, i'm not sure but he definitely seems a lot bigger than he was so. i do know the texas tech kid has a brother and i i think he is playing in college basketball it could be i mean i don't know it seems like something i should know but let me let me do some quick research yeah, no here, guys i also want to say texas tech had a tough week they lost to baylor at home and then they went into Morgantown, into West Virginia, and lost. So they had an 0-2 week, but they really didn't move anywhere in the rankings. They're still, I think, at 22 or 23 right now. So I think that was kind of a – I'm glad the AP voters did that, kind of kept them in the top 25 and not really punishing them for losing two uh, pretty close games, two hard-fought games when they weren't necessarily at full strength and they were two against two very quality opponents. So uh, shout-out to them. West Virginia also is up in the rankings now. They're in the – I think they're at the 12 spot, so definitely look out for them moving into the the rest of the season. And, and this is where I saw that Culver connection. Uh, Jarrett Culver is playing on the Timberwolves right now, but his brother, JJ, he actually just recently scored 100 points in a game. That's what it was. Yeah. For Wayland Baptist University, I think it was last Tuesday. Mm, yeah, I'm big, can, big Wayland Baptist fan. Crazy. He shot 34, he shot 62 field goals from the field, hit 34 of them. He hit 12 of his 33 three-point attempts and was 20 of 27 from the free throw line. Jeez. So just a fun little nugget there. It's a high usage rate. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, anything else in this game? Nah, we can we can move on to the next one. Yeah, we'll kind of roll through this one real quick. Uh, another, the last, there's a lot of like pretty good games, but this one, the Marquette-Seton Hall game, neither of these teams were ranked going into it, but Seton Hall comes out on top, uh, 69 nice to 55 from Marquette. Marcus Howard was playing pretty well in this one. That, that's why this game was exciting since Miles Powell against Marcus Howard. And he was he was doing his stuff. I think he had 27 of their 55 points, which is mm-hmm. almost half. But yeah. just could not get enough out of that Marquette team. And it seems like it's just a one-man show. Yeah, and like, like I said in the rapid reactions that we did earlier, Marcus Howard just really doesn't have the, the accompanying set with him to kind of carry him a little bit more. He really has to do all the work himself. And Miles Powell on Seton Hall... He does have some big bruisers inside and some good guards that can hit open shots, which is really the difference in this game. The The difference to me was obviously the sporting cast, but the defense for Seton Hall has been so good lately. And holding a Marquette team, which is pretty high-powered offensively, even though the role guys aren't as good as we've seen in the past, but Marcus Howard's maybe the best scorer in the league. He is leading the nation in scoring right now. But their defense is insane. Like Quincy McKnight is a beast. Romero Gill is a great great rim protector and Miles Powell holds his own on the end and they kind of have that formula where we're going to play really tough defense 
and then we have a guy like Miles Powell that's going to get us buckets when we need it. And we're going to our defense is going to keep us in these games. And we have one of the best players in the nation that's going to win us these games down the stretch. And he 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 was great again. He's been great all season when he hasn't been hurt. Yeah, this Seton Hall team is impressive. They're back into the rankings now, and they they seem like they're one of the better teams in the Big East. And mm-hmm. they actually play Butler this Wednesday. Yeah, and Marquette in the Big Big East. I'm hoping that they can make the NCAA tournament just to see Marcus Howard because it, I think if they do make the tournament, Marcus Howard can really carry them as as long as he wants. As it completely depending on his play, of course, but he would be an exciting player to watch in that tournament. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're just going to go into a couple other little things that happened this, this past weekend. So we mentioned earlier, but the streak is finally over. Caden, your thoughts on Clemson beating North Carolina in Chapel Hill? Well, obviously it's a tough loss for, for the program, for the fan base, for the players, but the streak is finally over. Carolina hadn't lost to Clemson at home since 1925. And after a 59 and 0 record, we are now 59 and 1 at home against Clemson. But it wasn't necessarily the loss that I think is the tough part to swallow. It's the way that we lost the game. Yeah, we blew a 10 point lead in the final minutes before taking you know the worst loss in team history. And Roy, he had a really tough time after the game in the post game press conference because he took the loss pretty personally. You know, anytime you're up 10 in the final three minutes. It could be pointed to as a coaching mistake, but you can't really coach players to inbound the ball without turning it over. You know, that's just a simple thing that players should know how to do. And Roy just really doesn't have the players this year. So it sucks to watch him take everything so personally and take the fall for his team when really the players he has just are not as talented as they have been in the past. So it really isn't Roy's fault. It really falls on the players at the end of the day. This year will be a down year for the program. We have a great recruiting class coming in next year, Caleb Love. We're all really excited <laughs> about him. Cole Anthony, we're hoping he comes back. If Cole Anthony comes back, he could be our one saving grace because... Are you saying this season or next season? This season. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, you know, Cole Anthony, he could pull a James Wiseman and just wait, you know, protect his draft stock mm-hmm. and go to the NBA, cash out. We don't really know what is where his head is at Especially with that. Especially with this North Carolina team, which... Even if Cole Anthony comes back, they probably aren't even going to make the tournament at yeah. this point. Yeah, There's too probably many bad not. losses on that record. Yeah, and if he does come back, we would probably need to win every single game we well, play. Well, I guess you could always win the ACC tournament and get in, get yeah. that, that bid automatically, but this team is just kind of pressing. I know, really you is. know, but the, the Roy Williams press conference, and last week he was kind of blaming the players, saying it was the worst group, of, the worst talented group of players he's ever had, mm-hmm. and... Which is, which is not false, by the way. It's not false, but you never really want to blame the players if you're a coach. It's not a great look, but also everyone agrees with him, so it's kind of it doesn't really matter. And then this game, he took it all on himself, mm-hmm. and he said, I got to be better. And he took it hard. Like you said, he was crying in the press conference, and it was just it was giving me depression, man. It's hard to watch. It's like <laughs> right. it's like an old dog, and you like just kind of limping. You just got to put it down. Like Just don't just keep Carolina off the main screens and stuff like yeah. that. Just let him... Let them do their thing, and we'll, we'll check in on them next year. Yeah, I mean, Roy was so fired up that whole game, too. Like, he had worked so hard to get that lead for us. He was fired up. Players were diving on the floor. And then just final three minutes, we start turning the ball over. We can't hit a shot. As a coach, there's not really much you can do there but just watch. I mean, you can call a timeout and settle the guys down a little bit, but 
at the end of the day, they have to go out on the court and perform, and that didn't really happen. And Clemson, shout out to them. I mean, the yeah. streak is finally over. <laughs> they were they were mosh pitting in the in the locker room at yeah, the end of the exciting. game. So good for them, I guess. <laughs> Going uh, seven miles away on Tobacco Road to Duke, they uh, your your second favorite team. They went full brotherhood this uh, this weekend. I don't know if you saw this. They went. They got new uniforms. Got the gothic going. Mm-hmm. They they even had the gothic font on their Twitter, and it w- I have never seen that before. Like getting Twitter to change fonts for you, like it's always <laughs> the same basic font. Yeah. So that was yeah. I just kind of want to say that. It's just kind of weird. I, I liked them. I think they, they looked were pretty kinda, good. They were pretty clean jerseys, but it just seems weird. Like the the brotherhood stuff. It seems like all right. Like yeah, it seems a little it. like. A little much. The brotherhood of guys that come for a year then leave. Like, how, how strong can that really be? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I don't really have much to say about that. Just Duke. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. They, they get all the, you know, I mean, Carolina, obviously Jordan Brand, but Duke is kind of up there with Carolina in terms of new uniforms every couple weeks, you know. Yeah. Brand deals, all that stuff. Yeah. They, they definitely have a lot of money coming in. Also, quick shout out to Illinois for getting in the top 25 for the first time since 2015. Mm-hmm. You said a lot of people thought this was a sleeper team. I said that at the beginning of the year. You can go back, check the tapes. I said this is a team that, very much like you said with Auburn, yeah. this may not be as big of a hit as your Auburn one, but mm-hmm. I, I think this is a good team. I think I would assume is one of the best players in the Big Ten. Yeah, fighting Illini. Fighting Illini. Right in the back, yeah. right in the Relevant. ship. <laughs> right, you got anything else on anything that happened this weekend? Uh, no, just – Maybe preview some some matchups for next week. Yeah, so this um, this week's not awesome. There's a few good games. So uh, tomorrow, nothing really tonight, Monday night, but Tuesday, VCU at Dayton. We'll see if Obi Toppin's healthy for that one. That game's at 5 p.m. VCU is one of the better teams in the A10. Uh, I think they're a potential tournament team, so that could be a, a difficult game for the Flyers. But I would expect them to win at home. Mm-hmm. Maryland going into Wisconsin. Another game where Maryland is away from home. We'll see if they can finally get a road win. Have not won a true road game yet this year. That one's at 6 p.m., so just an hour after. And then Wednesday, Seton Hall at Butler at 3.30. That's probably the biggest game of the week. Seton Hall is now in the rankings. Butler is number five. And this is this is going to be a great game, I think. Seton Hall's kind of peaking right now, mm-hmm. and Butler's been great all season. Yeah. I think Butler will will end up winning that one. Yeah, and then Virginia. I mean, we'll see. I, th- I still think they're a decent team, but they dropped two this last week yeah. to Boston College and Syracuse, which is rough. Jim Beheim, by the way, guys, revenge after the the home or the uh, the season opener in the Carrier Dome when he was crying about playing ACC games at the beginning of the season. Oh, is that right? They played uh, they played Virginia in that one. Yeah, they say oh, like, okay. Syracuse got their revenge, but whatever. So yeah, Virginia is going into Florida State. And at 4 p.m. on Wednesday, so we'll see. I think Florida State should roll in that one. Yeah. It could be a decent matchup. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping usually keeps teams close. I'm keeping pretty close tabs on Florida State too because they are kind of a sleeper team right now yeah. in the ACC. They could definitely get gain some momentum and get into the rankings yeah. pretty soon. I'll be. I'm really excited for when they play Duke. I'm not sure when that is, but that 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 should be a really good game. Yeah, Leonard Hamilton. Also, shout out to him. Okay. Also, so now we're gonna bring on Daily Sports writer D. Kemenini. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about her experience with the Daily, as well as who are some of her picks for this year's college basketball season. All right, let's do it. And today we're joined by new Daily Sports writer, Dee Kemeneni. So, Dee, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your major, your year at UW, where you're from, all that good stuff? Yeah, so I'm a biology and political science major at UW. I'm in my junior year right now, so going well so far. And I'm actually from Vancouver, British Columbia, so... 
I'm from the Great White North, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm actually from Vancouver, but Vancouver, Washington. So oh, the fake Vancouver. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, we won't get into that, but yeah, we're definitely not the more fun Vancouver <laughs> in that regard. But yeah, so what sports do you cover for the daily? Um, I cover the men's tennis team. So nice. Yeah. And how long have you been doing this? I just started last week, so it's, it's been going good so far. We've only had like two games, but yeah, so yeah. far so good. And how's the team looking so far? They're looking pretty good. They swept Seattle U the other day, so that was nice. And yeah, looking like a bright future ahead with like their new freshmen, like a couple of transfers that they have. So yeah, it's kind of cool. And do you, have you played tennis in the past? Do you have any experience with it? Or yeah. is this kind of your first experience? No, I played tennis for five years before, so kind of okay. used to this whole thing. And I actually used to play against one of the guys on the team because oh, really? he was from my rival high school. Who's that? Uh, Jack Davis. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. so... Yeah. I covered tennis last year, and he was a pretty he was a pretty good player for he's, that team he's all year. Pretty good, yeah. His serves pretty hard. Got yeah. hit by one once. It wasn't fun, <laughs> but yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Do you got some pretty big shoes to fill? Because Caden was known as one of the the best tennis writers to, oh, wow. to what can I say? grace the daily dub. That's Appreciate a nice that. challenge. I'll take it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, is there anything else you could tell us about this team? Uh, any people to look for as the season kind of progresses mm-hmm. that you have your eye on? Um, well, definitely from what I saw last game, I think Brandon Wong and Lamb as well. They're two new freshmen, and they're looking pretty good. They both had amazing games, and they swept their opponent in their own matches, so that was kind of impressive for so, their first game. Funny thing about Brandon Wong, I actually went to high school with him. Oh, nice. I actually played on the same tennis team as him nice. <laughs> for about a year and a half, and then I think he went to some academy, but mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a really good player. So we both I think have connections be. to the team. That's nice. Yep. <laughs> So you just started the daily mm-hmm. doing men's tennis. Is there like a dream sport or dream scenario you'd like to cover? I mean, ideally, I'd like to do men's basketball because I'm super into college basketball and I have been since I was like five years old. So that's like, yeah, that's the dream at the, the end goal. Well, you came to the right place because we're pretty <laughs> big on college basketball. We talk about it all the time. So I guess we'll kind of get into that. Who are some of your favorite teams as far as the college basketball? I was going to ask the same thing. Yeah, who's um, your team? I'm sorry, UW, but I have to go with Michigan. I've been a Michigan fan since I was young because my dad went there, so mm-hmm. it's like a big deal for me. So go Wolverines all the way. I can respect that. I'm not a major UW fan either. I'm more <laughs> – I'm a North Carolina fan. Oh. Um, okay. To, this year, we're, it's kind of – It's a little It's tough. a rough year. It's been tough. Yeah. But, it's okay. It's yeah. always next year, maybe. Yeah. So being a Michigan fan, which of the two national championships hurt more? The Louisville one or the Villanova one a couple years ago? I think the Villanova one because I really thought that team had it with Mo Wagner and, like, all those people, and then we got blown out. Like, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that was tough. That's so embarrassing. I, I just couldn't take it. I think I cried for, like, a day or two after that, but it's okay. I'm yeah, used that, to it. That kind of seemed like a team of destiny with Jordan Poole shot in the Sweet 16. And, oh, that was so good. Yeah, and they just so kind of kept rolling and rolling, got some good wins and all the way there. Mm-hmm. And I was rooting for them also. Another guy, Duncan Robinson, he's kind oh, of yeah. been playing really well now for exactly. the Heat. But he was, a, he was another great player on that team. I know, and, like, Simpson, all that was guys. sad. But, I'm pe- like, a lot of people said that we only played, like, easy teams all the way through, and they're like, oh, you have no chance. I was like, okay, we're actually a good team. That's yeah. okay. It's fine. I'm Villanova over it. was just one of the best college basketball teams we've yeah. seen. So that's, yeah. a, that's a tough matchup. I think Dante DiVincenzo still gives me nightmares. But yeah, that was a t- <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that was a tough one. Looking at this year, do you think the Wolverines really have a chance to make some noise in March? I mean, I'd like to think so. We got pretty good start early on now it's kind of well big 10 plays looking kind of rough but that's okay i think we've got it we just need to get the hang of it but i mean we beat some pretty good teams we beat gonzaga we beat oregon so yeah those both shocked me quite a bit and uh, mm-hmm. in that atlantis tournament when you mm-hmm. guys won that 
we kind of can crown you guys champions right now because yeah. the last two national champions have come from that Atlantis from that, yeah. tournament. So I'm not even sure why we're even watching the rest of the games <laughs> at this point. We already know Michigan's going to win. Congrats to Jawan Howard, first year, first uh, national yes. championship. Very exciting. But do you have a, your eye on another team that maybe could give them some troubles? I mean... I guess I have to go with like the typical like Gonzaga answer, but Baylor's looking pretty good after Baylor their win over Kansas. Good. So I don't know. I was not into Baylor for like the longest time. So then after the Kansas I'm, game, I'm still not really sold on them. But <laughs> I have seen them play a couple times now, and they're they're pretty they're legit. Looking, they're looking decent. Yeah, I can give them a chance. But yeah. Okay, so this is what people want to know: Who is going to win the national championship in 2020? Mm, well, like you said with the whole Atlantis thing, I want to say Michigan, but that's more of like a hard over mind thing. But it's looking like Gonzaga has a chance. We'll see. We'll see. Nice. Could be the first uh, first one for Mark Few. We got close a couple of years ago. Fell yeah. short against your North Carolina Tar Heels. Maybe a little bit of a redemption arc here with, <laughs> with his guys. You got anything else, Rusty? Um, no, not really. Yeah. Great. Caden, you got anything? Uh, no. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, Thank course. you for having Thank me. You. Yeah. And you could uh, read all of Dee's work on the Daily website. You can find it in the newspaper from time to time. But yeah, go, go check out her work. She's doing great stuff with UW Men's Tennis and one of the great new writers we have on staff. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of the podcast. Huge shout-out to Dee for coming on talking to us a little bit. That was awesome to hear her. And so, yeah, check us out on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. So yeah, any, anything you guys can do to help, DM us on Twitter. DMs are still looking a little dry. So if you guys can uh, get us going on that front, that would be pretty awesome. 